Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And we thank you for hitting the play button again this week to listen to the podcast. And we will continue with more baseball this week, specifically the Minnesota Twins with one of my former radio colleagues and longtime friends, Joe Finger, the biggest Minnesota Twins fan I know. And we will have Joe standing by in the virtual green boom. He will join us in just a moment. But before we talk Twins, a couple of quick baseball notes. Troy Tulowitzki retires after 13 seasons, was one of the top shortstops in the game with the Colorado Rockies for most of his career, helped lead them to a 2007 National League pennant. He finishes having only played five games to start this season for the Yankees, been on the shelf ever since with a calf injury, but Tulo, as he was most affectionately known by a top-notch player, was a tremendous defensive shortstop and a, a, a clutch hitter and a great leader. And uh, definitely wish him well after 13 big league seasons. And nothing real clear yet as we approach baseball's trade deadline next week as to who the buyers and sellers are. Will the Mets deal Noah Syndergaard? Said to be a high price tag there if you want to nab him. Marcus Stroman, another big uh, pitching uh, name out there, most likely to be dealt by the Blue Jays. What will happen? Stay tuned. promise we talk the Minnesota Twins with one of my longtime friends and former radio colleagues, Joe Finger, who I worked with at WKIS News Talk 74. He was also the longtime morning news anchor at WHTQ Classic Rock Q96. Joe, thanks for being on the podcast. Jeff, thanks for having me on. This will be fun. Love to talk about uh, the Minnesota Twins. You know that. Yes, absolutely. As uh, you know, uh, as we've known each other a number of years, and I know your love for the Twins runs deep. So is 2019 came into focus. Did you imagine they would be where they are right now? Well, you know, we go to spring training every year, my wife and I, down in Fort Myers, and she's used to me giving some uh, predictions. And uh, I looked at that lineup this year, and I was thinking to myself, look, they've they've added Marwan Gonzalez, Jonathan Scope, C.J. Crone, Nelson Cruz, Buxton and Sano should be back this year, hopefully a little more productive. This team is a power team. A power team. Can you imagine that? <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't that many years ago that, that you think of the Twins and you think of small ball. Uh, Ozzie Guillen used to call them the little piranhas. You know, they'll get an infield hit, steal a base, and score on a wild pitch. But uh, I thought they might be good. Uh, I didn't want to jinx it by saying anything, but I don't think anybody thought they were going to be leading the league in home runs at this point. I think uh, they'll probably set franchise records in a lot of uh, – 
a lot of power categories. But yeah, it's a, it's a great lineup uh, from uh, from top to bottom, no doubt about it. Yeah, let's yeah, talk about the the power surge. They have like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys double figures in home runs. That's 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 mind boggling. Yeah, they've almost got 200 home runs at this point, and I don't know what the final numbers will be, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling. Of course, a lot of teams, Jeff, are hitting a lot, a lot of long balls uh, this year, and of course there's been discussion about, you know, what's up with the baseball. But, uh, but for the Twins, these are legitimate power hitters. And I, I saw something the other night that said they, they became the first team since the, I think, the 77 Red Sox to hit at least five home runs in a game at least eight different times in a season. I, I suspect they'll probably break that record uh, sometime soon. I wish they could have done that against the Yankees a couple of more times here recently, but uh, that, that's another story. But, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun watching the uh, the long ball. Yeah, so you know, when we had lunch a few weeks ago, the Twins had a pretty sizable lead down now to two games uh, yeah, at this you point. Yeah, I mention that. Yeah, <laughs> so, so what is kind of, uh, is it just like, you know, obviously the Indians well, are hot. Yeah, um, I, I think a couple of things. Uh, the Twins have cooled off. Uh, they haven't been terrible. They've been kind of meandering around the 500 mark for, for the past month. Uh, they've had some injuries. Pitching's been kind of up and down, but I think more than anything, Jeff, it's you've got to give uh, credit to the Cleveland Indians. They have been playing great baseball, probably as uh, hot a baseball team as anybody in the major leagues over the past month. And, you know, Terry Francona is getting a lot out of those guys. I think a lot of people have kind of written the Indians off, especially early in this season, but, you know, here they are. And I would expect it's going to be a real dogfight here the next uh, couple of months. Yeah, not only for the division, but uh, you look at the the American League has got a lot of people in play for the wild card too. There's some good races there. I was just looking at that myself. I, you know, the Rays are in there, the Indians, Athletics. Uh, you can't count the Red Sox out. Uh, they just have not been able to quite get over the hump. But you know, they're right there as well. And even the teams that are leading the division at this point, there are no guarantees because you've got six or seven teams right now that in the one-loss category are very close. But you know what? That's what makes baseball great, isn't it? Uh, I mean, who, who wants your team to win by 11 games, right? Why not have a, <laughs> why not have a close one going down the stretch? You go down the stretch, get some play-in games, all sorts of uh, all sorts of wildness. And, you know, when you talk about this Twins team, I think the other underrated aspect of this team is the starting pitching if i my numbers are correct 42 and 22 out of the starting five yeah the starters have been doing a pretty good job i think certainly as well as could have been expected uh you know juan barrios is a, is a top young pitcher and he's pitched well uh jake odorizzi has really cooled off of late but he was you know he was an all-star pitcher uh, in the first half uh, Michael Pineda, coming back from Tommy John surgery, has been productive for them. And uh, Martin Perez, who they picked up from Texas in the offseason, has also had some productive starts. The Twins' problem right now appears to be more in the bullpen. They've uh, basically blown the bullpen up the last couple of weeks. They've DFA'd about four guys. They've, they've got several open spots on the 40-man roster. So we'll see if they add anybody. I know a lot of teams are looking to see who they can get uh, to try to make that push. But I think that's one area where the Twins do need to pick it up or um, it's going to be a tough battle with Cleveland. Yeah, so you read my mind because that's where I was going to go next with the trade deadline coming up. Did you foresee them looking to be buyers at this particular point in time? Well, I think most Twin fans, myself included, would, would hope that they could make one or two additions. Although, I, you know, I'm reading what Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, the two honchos there, have said. And 
they may just be being coy or not wanting to tip their cap, but uh, they're saying we, you know, we might just rely on some of the guys we've called up. But I think they do need to add some experienced arms in that bullpen, and I think the Twins faithful will be not only surprised but disappointed if they do not. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And the market seems to be that most teams are looking for bullpen help, so it's going to be a crowded marketplace. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you, you, you don't want to uh, give away the farm to pick up a, uh, a couple of guys out of the bullpen. So it's always a kind of a balancing test there, Jeff. The Twins have had some success with that in the past, but they've made some moves in the past that didn't work out too well. But it's hard not to want to see them make a move, especially when they're poised with such a good starting top-to-bottom lineup that they put out there every every night, uh, only to see maybe the uh, the bullpen cost them a few games, which I think is what we've seen here lately. Yeah, so you brought up, the, the obviously, the power of, the, of this team and the power all around Major League Baseball. Lots of talk about the baseball and things like that. It's an <laughs> interesting trend going on. In your mind, do you think the ball is juiced? I know only what I've read, and and uh, I think there's reason to believe that, that there were some changes made, um, and that might explain it just from a physics standpoint. I'm not a physics expert, but I think there may be something to that, and it wouldn't have been the first time something like that's happened in the history of, uh, of Major League Baseball. Uh, whether there's some grand conspiracy behind it, I don't know, but um, statistically, you look at the increase in the power numbers, it... it it, it doesn't seem coincidental to me that there might be something going on with the baseball. Yeah, and, and you know, with the, obviously launch angle has become so important. The players are bigger and stronger, hopefully yeah. without the aid of uh, of juice. <laughs> but uh, it it just it just seems to be though it's it's interesting. You know, the game kind of ebb and flows, and I'm wondering now. It'll be interesting to see how the power numbers will be in the second half because typically. As the season wears on and players get more worn down a little bit, the power numbers aren't as high as they are in the first half. That's true, uh, and you may be right about that. Um, but to this point, it doesn't seem to have tailed off um, very much. But as a Twins fan, I hope it doesn't, at least on our end. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. And, you know, it is. I mean, that's the thing about baseball. It's 162 games. It's a grind, mm-hmm. and you're going you're gonna to have ups and downs. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, uh, I was thinking about this today. One, I think some of the best managers are the ones that not only are you know making all the right moves in the game, but who can manage the psychology of such a long season. You you know you, you lose a tough one like the Twins did recently to the Yankees. It would be easy to just like kind of be down in the dumps about that. But man, you got to get right up the next day and come right back out there and, and just forget that uh, and and just keep pushing ahead. It is it is a grind. Yeah, and you and I are kind of old school baseball guys who, who like to see the manufactured runs and things like that. Um, and now, look, my team, the Braves, have also been benefiting from the long ball, so I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not terribly disappointed by that either. You know, Jeff, I would, I would love to see a repeat of the '91 uh, World Series, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure you would probably a little bit more than me. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> they're doing really well as well. Yeah, and, and, it, and it seems to me that it'll be interesting to see what happens now with all all this power. You know, a lot of a lot of pitching is based on power pitching and, and how fast you are on the radar gun. I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing more more of a return back to guys actually 
pitching and using off-speed stuff. And uh, well, yeah, I, I think that um, some of the most effective pitchers today are the ones who can do that. Uh, the Twins recently uh, released a one of their relief pitchers, Matt McGill, who throws a 98 mile an hour fastball, mm-hmm. but uh, he didn't have a lot of movement on that pitch. And the exit velocity of the balls that were being hit against him was really high as well. So it's not just a matter of, as you know, just uh, absolute velocity, but being able to mix your pitches and also have movement on it. And uh, with the sophistication of the analysis that players have access to now, uh, just throwing throwing the heater every time is not going to be enough, unfortunately. Yeah. So let's talk about some other things in the game that, that are uh, of trends that uh, like or dislike. The defensive shift. Where, where do you stand on that? The defensive shift. Well, look, it's 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 you can do a defensive shift. I think that from a strategy standpoint, it 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 certainly makes sense. I saw the Twins. Uh, twins came out long ago, where literally the entire left side of the infield was was gone. I, I looked and said, "Well, where did everybody go?" <laughs> I mean, you've got a second baseman out in right field, and I'm thinking, "Well." Heck, I could have beat a bunt out on a play, you know, <laughs> uh, on that. So I am not, I'm not opposed to that at all. I think it's good strategy. I, I'm more of the school that if they're going to put a shift on you, then you've got to find a way to beat it. It's, it's just a strategic move, and one strategy move needs to have a response. Yeah, and I'm more amazed than anything the guys aren't trying to hit the other way. I wonder if it's because they can't. <laughs> because they just think they're going to beat the shift. Yeah. Because they're they're basically um, you're daring them to do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of these guys uh, hit right into the shift. There's a reason they're putting the shift on for some of these guys because statistically, from an analytic standpoint, we know the likelihood of where they're going to hit that baseball. And I believe it was George Brett who said recently that uh, if they'd have done a shift on him in his day, he would have hit 480. <laughs> I did. I did see that. And you know, you you bring up this question of, of shift, um, Jeff. Uh, and a, a little bit subtler example of that was the other night in the uh, Yankee Twins game. That that was the game that went to the, the bottom of the tenth. The Yankees were ahead fourteen to twelve, and the Twins had the bases loaded and two out. Max Kepler is at the plate. Aaron Hicks, playing center field for the Yankees, said after the game that he noticed that they were setting up uh, to pitch Kepler a little bit off the plate. Etcher was setting up a little bit offside, so outside. So right before the pitch, Hicks decides to shift a few feet to his right. You know, he's going to cheat a little bit to his right, thinking Kepler's more likely to go to the opposite field, and that's exactly what happened. Hicks had to chase a bullet down in the gap and just did get to it. Had he not made that shift, that ball goes all the way to the wall for a three-run double, a walk-off three-run double. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it was, the Twins end up losing. So that's why you love baseball, stuff like that. And uh, that's the kind of stuff you don't necessarily see on television, but if you're ever at a game, you're constantly looking around to see these kinds of moves, these little subtle things that sometimes make the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. That's why we love this love this game, right? Exactly right. So what about some of the proposed rule changes? Uh, for one, the uh, minimum three batter uh, appearance for a pitcher. Absolutely opposed to that. I think that takes away a, a, a that's tying the manager's hands. I think that uh, as much as I don't necessarily want to watch a six-hour ball game, uh, it makes sense sometimes to bring a lefty in to pitch to a certain batter or a righty in to pitch to a certain batter. And uh, 
I'm, a, I'm kind of old school. You know, I'm a kind of a traditionalist. You probably are, too, in most respects. And so I don't like that idea. Not not in the least. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I kind of with you on that as well. And it's particularly the fact is, hey, if the guy wants to use up his roster, you know, that's on him, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And we've seen that. We've seen that in some games this year, too. I know some twin games where they basically emptied uh, the bullpen and then some. They had to bring Kyle Gibson in one time this year to pitch an inning on like a day's rest because they had literally no one else to, uh, uh, to pitch. But again, to me, that's why you love baseball. Yeah, you know, you only keep all those possibilities open, and sometimes it comes back to bite you, and sometimes it doesn't. But I think that's a decision we should leave to the uh, to the managers to make. Do you think there should be a pitch clock? A pitch clock? I'm, you know, I'm open to that as long as it's reasonable. Um, I, you know, I grew up watching certain pitchers who just, my goodness, just like, come on, just throw the ball, right? Um, I'm a traditionalist, but some guys probably dilly dally around out there a little bit too much. So, within reason, yeah, I, you know, we have it in football, we have it in basketball. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the reasonable amount is, but, but I don't see that really harming the, the ebb and flow of the game overall. Yeah, I, I think they would save a lot of time if the batters were just able to stick in the batter's box that you know <laughs> the 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 15 glove changes and strapping this strapping that tapping the shoe ta- you know that that to me is where they well, can pick up they could pick up 10 minutes a game easily that way <laughs> yeah i know they all they all, have, they all have their quirks we probably would too if we were in there but yeah you don't want to slow it down to the point where you know it begins to actually harm the the flow and the enjoyment of the game yeah so as we mentioned you know we we go way back and uh uh, the Minnesota Twins, uh, you know, I've had an affinity for the Twins. Braves have always been my favorite team, but the tw- Twins spring trained here in Orlando for so many years. And, you know, yeah. And, uh, and of course, I'm, I grew up in Orlando, and that's how I became a Twins fan, watching the uh, the Twins when they were spring training in Orlando for so many years. And, and I was a Braves fan way back there, too, because back in the day, the old days, Jeff, uh, about the only games we saw on television were the Atlanta Braves. They were the South's team. And so I grew up watching uh, number 44 and some of those great players from the Braves teams. And, of course, the Twins spring trained right here in Orlando, so I became a huge uh, Twins fan yes. as well from about the mid-60s on. Yes, and then, you know, the Holy Grail finally hit in 1987 when the Twins won the World Series. And, <laughs> I know. And we, yeah. saw a lot of the, we saw a lot of those guys come through Orlando. Yeah, you and I, I think we were together with some friends that night for Game 7. We were. I think Willie McGee or somebody grounded out to Gary Gaetti, who over the first and the twins were world series champions but yeah the uh i was just thinking about that the uh 81 orlando twins were the class 2a southern league champions and ron gartenheyer was the manager of that team and of course Gardy went on to have some great seasons in minnesota as well but yeah uh guys like uh, gary gaietti uh, randy bush Frank Viola yep. uh, was was on that staff, and a catcher by the name of Tim Laudner. Oh, forty-two home runs, Tim Laudner. Forty-two in home runs, league who, MVP. In fact, I think uh, Tim was uh, doing a few games on the Twins telecast this year. Every once in a while, oh wow, Dick Bremer. But he was in the booth uh, a couple of weeks back, and I'm thinking, who is that? Who is that? And it turned out to be Tim Laudner. And I'm thinking, yeah, forty-two home runs in 1981 at, at our dear old late great tinker field here in orlando yeah and that 42 led all of baseball because that was a strike year that was the strike year wasn't it a, yes. short, a short season well yeah and I, I think laudner probably uh never even came close to that 
after that, but that that was a, a a great season. And I remember catching a couple of games that year. I think I was maybe at the University of Florida for part of the year. But uh, but yeah, I remember seeing that team, and they they had a great. A lineup, and a lot of those guys went on to, to play in the major leagues. And Tom Kelly also managed there too. Yeah, Kelly. Uh, maybe maybe it was Kelly who managed that team in '80. I might have been Kelly in '81 who managed that yeah. team. I might have had my managers wrong. It might have been TK. Uh, but I know Gardenhire did manage at some point in there. But yeah, it might have been Kelly. Yeah, because yeah. six years later he he led them to the World Series championship. Yes. Uh, in, in Minnesota, with yeah. a couple of those guys on the team. Yep, right. and you and you mentioned that we were hanging out watching that game, and we had uh, we had put a bottle of champagne on ice for you to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was among friends that night. Uh, didn't have any. I don't think we had any big Cardinal fans there that night. No. Um, but yeah. Now four years later, Jeff, nineteen ninety one, different story. We were on opposite sides of the fence. Yes, but, we were. Uh, well, I think one thing uh, I've always said, I thought that 91 World Series was the greatest World Series I have ever seen, and not necessarily because the Twins were in it or because they won, because it was really an incredibly exciting, uh, dramatic, nail-biting, one nail-biter after another type of uh, World Series that uh, we think about now years later. Oh, yes. Uh, no, the the, 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 big, uh, the big Game 6 home run. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. And then a, and then a seventh game uh uh, pitching matchup that was uh, was was off the charts. Yeah, I tell people about that now. They even ask me sometimes. What's the greatest World Series game you've ever seen? Game seven, ninety-one World Series, Braves and Twins. It went into the uh, extra innings in a scoreless tie, and the, the people who never saw that game and who haven't watched it, there were numerous scoring opportunities for both teams throughout the course of the game. But amazingly. Um, the Braves and Twins just continued to wiggle out of these jams. It's like, what's it going to take? You know, this is Game Seven of the World Series, and it's like, what's going to happen here? But, you know, eventually, you know, the Twins probably pushed a run across to win it. But that, yeah, I get chills just thinking about that even now. And the John's been yeah, many years ago. Yeah, and the John Smoltz, Jack Morris pitching. They both went went nine, and I think Morris went ten. Yeah, that, and isn't that almost unheard of today, <laughs> that, a, that a pitcher would go 10 innings, especially in a World Series game? That's, that's almost a, a non-existent feat by today's standards. Yeah, and you, and you know, and the, the other indelible image I have of that 91 World Series was at the start of Game 7, uh, Lonnie Smith comes to the plate and he shakes the catcher's hand. Was that, was that Brian Harper at that time, the catcher? <laughs> In '91, uh, yeah, that would, I believe that would have been Brian Harper. Yeah, yeah. So, and I always had that, that that image. I'd never seen that before. You know, the batter and the catcher shake hands. You know, uh, wish each other luck before the start of the game. That was such an indelible image to me for for that reason. And you know, that's again, that's that's what makes baseball great. It is such a poetic, literary beautiful work of art (laughs) little images like that which may not mean a whole lot to somebody else but the the fact that you remember that just i think is a testament to what a great game it is despite whatever changes may be going on it's it's still uh, the greatest game there's yes the the nuances are just infinite really when you when you stop and think about it and you always will come across something you've never seen before um, <laughs> yeah, I, after all these years, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's true. Yeah, and, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it would be, Jeff, but I'm sure they're out there things that haven't happened or that we're not aware of. Ever yeah, and it'll probably happen in the next week. Who knows? Uh, probably, probably, and with all of the great statistical analysis 
that's almost instantaneous these days, we'll know about it pretty quickly as well. No doubt about it. Well, this was a great uh, discussion about the Twins, the little memory lane trip, too. Joe Finger, Absolutely. it was a pleasure having you on. Jeff, I enjoyed it, and thanks for having me on. And we will close the shop tonight with some UCF notes. Great article on CBSSports.com by Dennis Dodd on Mackenzie Milton's planned comeback from his horrific knee injury last season. And it's a, it's a great read, so definitely uh, check that out at CBSSports.com. Dennis Dodd, uh, their national college uh, sports writer, he's one of the best out there, and it's a, it's, it's a great piece. And, uh, you know, certainly we wish McKenzie all the best. You know, we just hope that he is able to have, you know, normal use of his leg and, and that all is good with that. It's a, it's a big order to make that comeback, but... I will say this. I mean, it will be miraculous, but if I, if I would never, ever bet against number 10, that's for sure. And Taco Fall signs the Boston Celtics. So the Summer League Phenom gets a little more extended time with the Seas. And uh, he took advantage of his opportunity. Now, again, it's Summer League. It's not full-fledged hardcore NBA action going on in the summertime, but give credit to Taco. The opportunity presented himself and he took advantage of it and he performed very well and it was great to see and just this maturation that he, you know, we've seen it throughout his entire college career. Each year he got better and in senior season, he would progressively got better. I really think in the last, you know, couple of months of the season, you know, when he had that, uh, pure dominant game against SMU where he basically turned them away in the first four minutes of the game. Uh, that was a, a, a great moment. He performed well in the NCAA tournament, had a great game against Duke. And uh, again, Taco took advantage and he, you know, it's an exhibit 10 contract, which means it's not a guaranteed contract, but it could develop into something. Uh, but at least he's going to get to go to camp and, uh, and continue to compete and continue to fight for a chance at an NBA career. And that is all you can ask for. So uh, we wish Taco all the best. And that fingers are certainly crossed for him on that. As always, we thank you for joining us. And please do subscribe. You can also follow me on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88. Uh, and also email the show, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. I'd love to get your feedback anytime, anywhere. And again, please subscribe. We're on all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, tune in. We're out there, and we certainly want you to join us each and every week. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. 
Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients, so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.